0: I don't want you to be so afraid of investing because you're afraid you're gonna make a mistake. I think you just have to accept the fact that you are. You are going to make a mistake and it's gonna be okay. Welcome, I am Camilla Jeffs, a 20-year student of money. I'm an introvert who started out broke and full of fear. Fast forward to today where I've conquered the secrets of getting my financial house in order, become a professional investor, and built a business that supports my family and I'm going to show you exactly how I did it. We're going to talk about getting in the game as a real investor, building a business to support you, and passing on wealth strategies to the next generation. Think of this as your one-stop shop for all things money. This is the Quiet Wealth Podcast. Hey there, welcome back to the Quiet Wealth Podcast. I am excited you're here. We are having episode 74 And in this episode, I'm telling you about all my mistakes. So I'm going to talk to you about the five biggest mistakes I made as an investor. And my hope with this is maybe you'll get a chuckle out of some of the mistakes, but also my hope is that by sharing this, you will be able to avoid mistakes in your future investing journey. And make sure you stick around to the last one because the last one is probably the biggest mistake that I made. Okay, mistake number one, buying in the wrong location. One of the properties that we purchased was a flip. It was actually a first like official flip. We had been doing live-in flips, which is where you buy a property and and you actually move in and you get owner-occupied financing and you live in it while you fix it up. But we decided when we moved to Indiana that we were going to do a real fix and flip. And when we were looking at the properties and just trying to find one to do, we didn't have very much money. And so we found one that was like only $25,000. We're like, oh, awesome. We could totally do this. So we bought that property. What we did not do was do our due diligence in the area. And we were like, oh, it shouldn't be too bad. I mean, how, how can you go wrong? It's really low risk, it's a low risk property. It's only 25000 So then we spent a whole bunch of time fixing that property. And about a couple weeks in, when we showed up at the property, we noticed the water wasn't working. We're like, why is the water not working? And so we went down and we found in the basement that someone had broken into the property and stolen all the copper piping. And we were like, what? Why would they do that? And I didn't know, but at the time, I guess copper piping was worth a lot of money. Like you could get that metal and you could go sell it and people were selling it for drug money. Well, then like idiots, we replaced the copper piping with more copper piping and it got broken into again. It was so frustrating. (laughs) Like what is going on? So that's when we realized that you could replace piping with not just with metal stuff, that you could use the product called PEX. And that's when we started using PEX. So the property got broken into a couple of times. Well, we were working on it. We were fixing it up. And once we got it all fixed up to the point where we're ready to sell, we got it on the market to sell. And it sat and it sat and it sat. No offers, nothing. We kept lowering the price and lowering the price. And finally, we got to like the bottom of our price point to where we were you know, willing to go down because we still wanted to make a little bit of a profit, like $5,000 or something. Still nothing. And it had been sitting for over six months. And so we decided, well, we're going to have to just rent it. So then we rented the property out. Well, the first tenants trashed the place and skipped out on rent. And so we had to go through an eviction process and get them out. The next set of tenants were always late on their rent and just struggled and struggled and struggled. And so finally, we had our property manager get them out as well. The third tenant, two months in, started the kitchen on fire. Yep, burned up the kitchen. We were just like, really, this is just, this is just terrible. We have bought the money pit. If any of you have seen that old, old show with Tom Hanks called The Money Pit, that was our experience. And that property was just a headache for us. So in the end, what I realized is that the reason why it didn't sell is because it was in a location nobody wanted to buy, right? It was in a location with high crime. It was in a location where the properties around it were not worth very much, were just really bad properties, no appeal there. And it was in an area where people couldn't afford very much and were not very good tenants. And so it was just absolutely the wrong location. Now contrast that with another property we bought in Indiana that we bought in a nice neighborhood. It was newer. We were able to rent that and we never had an issue with tenants for years and years and years. We never had an issue because it was in a good location. All right, mistake number two, not paying attention to taxes. So the tax game is one that you start learning about a lot. So once you start having a W-2 that's making significant income, the tax bill starts to hurt because it gets higher and higher and higher. And real estate is a really great way to save on your taxes because you can claim losses and you can do all sorts of things. And it's the tax game, right? That you can play. Well, one of the properties that we had owned for over 10 years, we had purchased that property in 2005. In 2005, right, that was a couple of years before the 08-09 crisis. So we purchased the property in 2005 and we lived in it for a couple of years and then we moved out. So around 2007-ish, we moved out. And we decided to keep the property because properties, you know, wasn't really appreciating. And it was a good location and a good neighborhood. And and when we talked to a property manager, we could rent it for a pretty good price and make several hundred dollars a month on it. So we're like, okay, we'll just rent it out. So bought it in 05, went through the 08, 09 housing crash. So the property depreciated and it wasn't worth as much as when we bought it in 05. So of course we just held on to it. So we kept holding on to it and holding on to it and holding on to it. 10 years after we had purchased it, we decided that it was time to sell. We couldn't really get a ton of money for it. I mean, properties still hadn't recovered a whole lot. They were on their way to recovering, but in Indiana, in this area, it wasn't really like a hot appreciating neighborhood. Right. And so we just said, you know, let's, let's sell it. And so when we sold it, we were excited because we got $40,000 from the sale. We're like, awesome, great. You know, not only did we make all this money in cash flow for 10 years, we got an additional $40,000. The following year, our tax bill was almost exactly $40,000. And do you know why? Because the property that we had owned to save on your taxes, what you do is you depreciate it, meaning the properties are not going to last forever, right? So the IRS allows you to write off portions of that property and say, okay, as it depreciates. But when you sell it, and if you sell it for a profit, especially so higher than what you bought it for, you have to do depreciation recapture. All of our profit that we thought we made from this was wiped out from taxes. So not only depreciation recapture, but also capital gains tax, and it just wiped out the whole profit. And I was so mad. I was like, no way. How did this happen? We could have avoided it with a 1031 exchange, for example, which is a, a special tax law that says when you sell up an investment property, you can roll the proceeds into another investment property without paying taxes. Basically, you're deferring the taxes to another time if you buy another property. Didn't know that. Didn't know about 1031s. Didn't know about that. So, not paying attention to taxes. So, my advice for you to avoid this mistake is make sure you learn the tax rules and learn all of the tax code around real estate. And then also surround yourself with good CPAs who can help you, right? Who are very familiar with real estate investing and who can help you not make the same mistake that I did. Mistake number three is buying cheap properties. So remember I told you in the in the beginning we bought in the wrong location, but the other mistake there was buying a super cheap property because the thinking was, oh, well, we can afford it and it's lower risk. But was it lower risk? No, it was actually higher risk. We had more problems with that. We lost more money on that Than we did buying a more expensive property, right? A property that was worth more. Also, if you think about appreciation, so real estate always goes up in value, but it goes up relative to its location. And then also it goes up by like a percentage. So typically there's a percentage. So for example, if you bought a property that was $100,000, worth $100,000, and it appreciates 5% that next year, Now your property has made you $5,000. If you bought a property that was worth a million dollars and it appreciated 5%, you would have made $50,000. If you just simply buy cheap properties, it's gonna be a longer road than if you can get into some of the bigger properties. One of the hosts of the Bigger Pockets podcast is really great real estate investor, David Green he talked about how whenever you go to buy a property, you should try to buy as much house as you can buy, right? If you're moving to a new area, buy as much house as you can buy in the nicest neighborhood because of this fact, right? Because of the appreciation fact and the fact that it's more desirable for other people to buy it. Because if you're buying really cheap properties, it probably means they're really old and they're going to need a ton of maintenance and a ton of work to them. And if you go, you can go in and do all the work in the world but there's going to be other issues that arise. So one of the flips that we did, it was a an old house is built in the 1940s and we went in and we renovated the whole thing and we thought we did a pretty good job. Like we, you know, we redid plumbing, we redid the the roof, we redid, you know, we found termites in the walls and had to redo some of the the walls themselves and then, you know, we go to sell it and a, an inspection comes up and there's more problems there's a problem with the sewer because it is so old right there's a problem with the the foundation there's there's problems I, there's all sorts of problems that that come up when you buy cheap properties so don't just invest in a property just because it's cheap another thing i was talking to a friend of mine who's an amazing investor and she was telling me about her portfolio. So she's been buying a whole bunch of properties. She has a really large portfolio, about 20 doors in her portfolio. But she was lamenting to me that her net worth is not to a million dollars yet. Like, how can someone with 20 properties not have a million dollar net worth? Well, the issue is every property she's buying is like a 20 or $30,000 property. So it's a lot more challenging if you invest in the really cheap properties than it is if you invest in kind of nicer, newer properties. I know you're gonna say, well, it takes more money to buy those. Yeah, it for sure does. But what I'm trying to help you understand is that it's the whole idea of, you can buy the cheap properties that are gonna take a ton of time and effort and work, or you can buy the nicer, newer properties that are gonna be a little more passive and not as much work for you. Mistake number four was waiting to partner. In my investing journey, so my husband and I, we purchased properties for about 15 years and it was all DIY. We only knew how to use our own money, our own skills, our own time, our own muscles to purchase and acquire properties. Once I pivoted into group investing where you partner, right? You put together a group of people and then a group of people goes out and buys properties that's when our investing really started to take off. And so now partnering over 1,500 doors rather than before when we were just the sole owners of 15 doors. So waiting to partner was a mistake. I wish I knew about group investing earlier. I do think DIY is valuable and is something that you can do in the beginning. If you want to be an active investor, I think you should DIY a little bit in the beginning so that you can get that knowledge and skills and and understand you know what it takes for contractors to do work at your property, what it takes to get a loan on it, all of that things. So if, if you want to be active, if you don't want to be active, that's fine. You don't have to DIY anything. You can just jump right into group investing and do it that way. But I think waiting to partner hindered us. So we could have been much further ahead had we partnered earlier on in our journey. Okay. So now let's talk about the fifth mistake I made, which was a biggie and it was quitting. So as we were going through our investor journey, you know, I was trying to learn a lot about finances and money and just really diving into it. So I was looking for all sorts of mentors and, and advisors. And I learned about Dave Ramsey and I fell in love with a lot of his concepts and I was excited about to learn from him and, you know, course he has really great, his baby steps are great to try and get out of debt and get people in the positive. But you know, my husband and I didn't have consumer debt. It's not something that we ever really got into or something we just avoided naturally without him, him even telling us we had to. And so it wasn't something we had, but I loved listening to him. I, I was inspired by him and I, and I liked what he was telling other people. Well, one day he started talking about rental properties and my ears perked up because we had several rental properties his advice was that you should not have any debt at all, including rental property debt. And of course, I'd been listening to him for a while and I was like, oh, he's a really smart guy. And I started feeling bad about our properties that we had. And I was like, well, maybe this is wrong. Maybe we are doing this wrong. Like maybe we need to sell and get out of debt. And I was inspired by all the people who were like calling in and doing their, we're debt free screams. And I was like, I want to do that. I want to say we're debt-free. And so, you know, my husband and I were talking to each other. we like, yeah, maybe we, maybe we should do that. And so we sold. We sold our properties. That mistake cost me over a million dollars. If I had held on to those properties, I would have had over a million dollars today. We kind of quit because we didn't have much money. Remember, if you've heard my story before, we didn't have much money. We were trying to acquire properties with all of our own money. And when we only were young, we had five children and, and a single income, and we were just trying to navigate life and figure things out. And so we quit for a while and sold those properties. And that's a mistake. That was definitely a mistake. So if you're in the thick of things and you have properties, you know, don't sell just to sell, right? If you want to sell, sell and move that money into another investment. And that was one of the things that we didn't do with a lot of those properties that we had owned big mistakes that I made, right? Buying the wrong location, not paying attention to taxes, buying cheap properties, waiting to partner, and quitting. I hope you learned something from this episode today about mistakes. And I hope you're inspired to keep going. It's okay to make mistakes. actually expected to make mistakes in investing. Nobody's ever going to get it right 100% of the time. And it's okay. I don't want you to be so afraid of investing because you're afraid you're going to make a mistake. I think you just have to accept the fact that you are. You are going to make a mistake and it's going to be okay. And you just have to keep going and keep trying and keep investing and learning. And you're going to learn from those mistakes. So that's what I have for you today. Take care. Please share this episode. We need to share the education to share the wealth. Thanks so much. Bye for now. Thanks so much for joining me on the Quiet Wealth Podcast. If you want more, head on over to camillajeffs.com forward slash podcast to get the show notes and dive into other episodes. While you're there, be sure to grab the free guide to building wealth. And if you know a friend who is struggling with money, please send this episode to them. Let's share the wealth in as many ways as we can. Until next time, much success.